Welcome back to the dungeon that hangs over the void in the castle of Gretchen Hexenkopf. Episode 33. The Screams of Scarecrows. Compelled by an infestation of rodents, Hazel hangs by her fingertips from the ledge of the dungeon. Her orphan brothers cling to her, and she holds up the lot of them, with the exception of Elwood, who stands paralyzed on the dungeon ledge. And for Elwood, being high up, being at the mercy of gravity and the savage side of nature, the winds before, the mice now. This moment's not unlike the one in which Elwood's mother abandoned him as a baby, flying him into the eye of that storm. Hazel calls for him, but he can't move. Elwood! He's paralyzed by his own feelings of helplessness. Gretchen and her minions stand by, taunting. Can you see their futures, hunchback? <laughs> Does it involve any of the following words? Slam, bang, splat. <laughs> the intensity of the laugh startles Zip, and he changes into a terribly unfortunate beast. A walrus. The weight is too much for Hazel to bear. All she gets out before she falls is a forceful... Save us! Before she can no longer hold on. Hazel! She and all of her other orphans disappear into the fog that hangs beneath the dungeon. They vanish into the void quickly. But one thing happens even more quickly. Hazel's plea. Save us! Her simple use of those two words. They make Elwood feel what he's never felt. Adequate. In fact, it's less a plea, more a command. And a command isn't given unless the commander is faithful that it can be carried out. So long ago, Elwood's own mother, having dumped him in the eye of the storm to perish, branded him with feelings of inadequacy and with two sweet syllables Save us! Hazel dresses that wound and sometimes not always but sometimes a little bit of healing can happen suddenly and powerfully and this is one of those times the overcoat Elwood wears the one he's never been seen without it rips open shredded at the shoulder blades by the explosive spread and stretch of his once dormant wings. The wings launch every pestering mouse from his body, and with that he flings himself over the ledge. And then Gretchen and her minions stand still, waiting for the sound of crunching orphan bones against whatever it is that's below, rocks or monster-infested water or perhaps a patch of thorny bushes. But there's nothing to be heard over the squeaking sound of thousands of mice. Gretchen Hexenkopf's voice, as deep as the sea and as dark as, well, as dark as a dungeon, makes everything go still. Silence! Even the mice. And there's nothing to hear, at least nothing that a witch and her minions might enjoy hearing. No sounds of bones crunching or flesh ripping or any other such horror. So... You might be wondering what happened. Well, 
What happened is this. Fueled by the faith of Hazel's command, Elwood feels a twinge in his hunch. Or, rather, in his wings. An electrifying feeling. The sensation one feels when an arm or a leg that's fallen asleep begins to come back to life. This feeling makes him realize that he's not useless, not flightless. That's not to say that he flies, mind you, because no bird flies the first time out of the nest, but no bird plummets either. Diving into the void, Elwood swoops down on Hazel, then zip, oz, lump, squish, copper, and gruff, and he spreads his wings spreads them with every bit of strength he has, which is just enough to slow them down and keep them from a fate that would have turned their bodies inside out. Instead, they hit the ground no harder than if they'd rocked out of their hammocks onto the orphanage hardwood after a bad dream. <coughs> Flying flop doodles. We're alive. We're alive. It's true. We're not dead. We're not even a little bit dead. Gruff and Copper dance a jig. Oz and Zip do too. Lump and Squish do not. Clutterbuck dwarves aren't much for dancing. Hazel throws her arms around Elwood and squeezes. And on the scale of perfect hugs, this is somewhere near the top. After a moment, all the orphans' eyes fall on Elwood. And Gruff asks what everyone's thinking. Elwood, how, how long you be having them wings? Yeah, did you just grow them? Did you just grow them now? Don't be daft. You can't grow wings like that in a moment. Well, maybe it was, um, the witch? Aye, <laughs> she cursed you, she did. But it backfired, eh? No, she didn't. He was cursed a long time ago. Like all of us. The other orphans don't know the details. But they understand what Hazel means. They also understand when she adds, But it seems like these curses have run their courses. To be an orphan is to be heavy. Burdened by the weight of an indifferent world a victim of a cruel kind of gravity. Hazel's orphan brothers, though, have unburdened themselves a bit. Not entirely, mind you. They're definitely lighter for their short spell in the Crimson Forest, and not just because they experience the weightlessness of free-falling from a heavens-high, floorless dungeon. Hazel isn't quite as unburdened as her orphan brothers. She still has some business lying heavily on her heart. But she shares in their levity, it's a feeling of freedom, the kind you wouldn't expect to encounter at the foot of a witch's castle. But here it is, if only for a moment. And, unfortunately, it is only a moment. The field of screaming scarecrows has been woken, perhaps by the orphans' freefall, or perhaps by the orphans' celebratory hoots and hollers, and the screaming scarecrows do what they do. Their ghoulish screeches burn through the night air and singe the orphans' eardrums. The clamor is not unlike the mixture of a violin poorly played at high volume and a thousand hungry, teething infants. The scarecrow's screams soon fade, giving way to an even more unsettling sound. The sound of flapping wings. The screams of the scarecrows act as an alarm, alerting Gretchen to the orphan's survival of the plummet. Now the witch rides side saddle on her broomstick, the train of her burgundy dress whipping behind as if propelling her in all her wickedness through the blackness of the night. 
With curled lips and nefarious intentions, she descends from above, leading the charge of her army of tuxedo-wearing bat-winged toads. Snook the Fool is in tow as well, toted by a couple of toads who dangle him upside down as he cackles. <laughs> oh, what do we do? What do we do? So, so do we be running then? I, I don't think we'll outrun an army of flying toads. Oh, or a witch. Maybe we'd outrun the fool. As the boys discuss their outrunning abilities and inabilities, Hazel slips the lilt blossom from her hair, gently rubbing its stem between her fingers. Maybe, she thinks. And then she whispers the charm she's known by heart for as long as she can remember. Pluck the flower from its bed. Blow the petals from its head. Make a wish before you do. And if it's pure, it will come true. Hazel closes her eyes and makes a wish. A plea to be saved. And then she blows the petals. And something happens that has never happened before. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch. The Swarm of Spectres. In the meantime, find ways to unburden yourself. It's a lot easier to fly if you shrug the unnecessary weight from your shoulders. And in this case, shoulders is another name for heart, 